Give it up for our media team. I'm telling you what. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, we're in a series called iMessage, and today I want to talk about the statement that Jesus made when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And as we're getting into that, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Raise your hand. Have you seen any resurrections lately? Raise your hand. I mean, when is the last time that you were at a funeral and someone walked up to the casket, called that person by name and said, rise up, and they got up? Raise your hand. Last couple weeks. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Me neither. But do you know that there are people getting raised from the dead every day in this world? I Wait, come on, come on. Are you guys out there? Look at your neighbor and say, are you awake? Are you awake? Are you awake? Okay, this is a back and forth. Are you aware that there are people being raised from the dead every day in this world? Really? Do you know that there is a good possibility that someone will be raised from the dead within the next few weeks in our town? You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping that there's somebody in this room today or watching on live stream. What's up, live stream? Who gets raised from the dead in the next hour? This series is called iMessage. It's about the seven I am statements of Jesus. Now, how many of you remember the seven I am statements of Jesus? Listen. If any of you can quote them in the Greek language in 30 seconds, we will pay your mortgage for the rest of the year. Ready? Go. Ah, oh, dang. I mean, we had it ready. The board gave me permission. We are called as believers to intertwine our lives with the I am, with Jesus. We are called to, like Dustin preached, to abide in the vine with Jesus. And as we do that, our faith grows. Our faith starts at a point, and as we stay connected to Jesus, our faith grows. Our belief becomes even more believable. And the Holy Spirit can shine the life of Jesus through us. He can take His message in our lives and open the eyes of a world so they can know that he still loves the world. He can take our lives. He can take our lives. And he can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the way we live what we believe, prove to the world that he still is the I am, not just the I was. We're going to read a passage from the Gospel of John. I want you to stand with me, if you would, please, as we read the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 11, 25 through 27, and you can read it out loud with me if you'd love. Don't you love seeing a pretty full sanctuary of people? Hallelujah. Jesus, ready, go. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Turn to your, oh, 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 oh. Turn to your neighbor and ask that question. Do you believe this? All right, verse 27. You guys are doing great. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. 
Father, we ask you to speak life to us from this word today. We ask you to teach us new things about Jesus. Help us. Feed us. Fill us. Help the hurting and the discouraged that are in this room and those who are watching and will watch. Lift us into a new place of faith and hope and love. Help us to think about people who are without you and without Jesus. Therefore, they're without hope in this world. Help us to change that as you change us. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. We live in the midst of a world that needs to be awakened, and they need to know that they can have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Yet most people don't know that. And you know what most people in the world who don't know Jesus don't know? They don't know they're dead. We live in the land of the walking dead. And we believers have been raised to newness of life so that we can be an unmistakable witness that Jesus is the I am, not the I was. So I want to recap the story from John 11. There are three friends of Jesus. He had a lot of friends, but there are three friends in this story. And John wants to make us know something. He says, three friends that Jesus loved. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it says he loved them. John points that out for a reason. Lazarus gets sick. And they send word to Jesus. He sent a message. They say, the one you love, again, there's something about this. They, John's trying to drive this home. The one you love is sick. And Jesus says, this sickness will not lead to death. But for the glory of God, and so the Son of God may be glorified in it. And then he waits and doesn't go. He waits and doesn't go. He doesn't go for a while. He doesn't go for four days. And during that time, Lazarus, the one he loved, Jesus loved, died. And when Jesus arrives, Mary, one of his closest friends, doesn't come to greet Jesus when she finds out that he comes. Wonder why? She's hurting. Jesus didn't come. Martha comes. Martha comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he tells her, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know, Lord. I know he will rise again like all the other righteous on the last day. And then Jesus says to her, I am the today. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes, even though he dies, will live again. And then he says, do you believe this? Martha says, I believe. And if you look in the Greek, it means I have come to believe. Martha is saying, there was a time in my life that I didn't know who you really were, but I came to a point where I believe. I believe. Maybe you haven't come to that point yet. Maybe you, Elijah, you haven't come. It's all right. You haven't come to a point where you believe. Martha believed. I have come to a point and believe that you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah, Right? And then Jesus says, call Mary. 
So finally Mary comes, and when she comes, she says simple, similar things to Jesus that Martha did. She says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And then it says two words that John wants us to really know. Grab. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And then John adds something that the crowd says. The crowd says, look how much he loved him. And then they say, if he loved him, then couldn't he have helped him? And then it says, Jesus heard that and he sighed deeply. Now, when we read that, we think he went, oh, but that's not what happened. If you look at the Greek, the word for sigh is the same word used to describe a Roman war horse being ready to charge battle. It's a flaring of the nostrils. It's an anger. Jesus actually became deeply angry, like a rising of his nostrils. You ever seen somebody get that mad where their nostrils flare? That's what happened. That's what they saw in Jesus. Jesus wasn't mad at the people who questioned. Jesus wasn't mad at the people who were crying. Jesus was mad at death. Jesus was mad because he loves people and he hates that people die. Jesus was mad because he hates that sin destroys people's lives. Jesus was mad because he loves everybody and he hates that there is suffering in the world. I said Jesus Christ hates that there is suffering in the world. And he has come to turn the world right side up. He has come to free people from the sin and the power of it. And he grieves that people don't know this. And Jesus grieves even deeper about this. Jesus grieves that people don't understand how he feels for them when they are going through the toughest times in their life. And one of the reasons why is because the church has misunderstood the meaning of miracles and preach the wrong message about them. Take away the stone. But Lord, he's been dead four days. There'll be an odor. Did I not say if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? Verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. D.L. Moody said he had to say the name Lazarus or everybody in that cemetery would have come back to life. <laughs> Verse 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Let's go. Can you read the yellow with me out loud? Would you repeat it? 
And Jesus said to them, this man is raised up. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Next slide. Misunderstanding the meaning of miracles can mess up your faith and make the world believe that Jesus isn't here. Michael Card wrote a great book on the Gospel of John. He talks about this thing called the motif of misunderstanding, where the people of the time of Jesus not only didn't get Jesus, but they way didn't get Jesus. And one of the things they misunderstood was the message of the miracles. Jesus didn't come to just be a miracle-working God. Jesus came to send a message through his miracles, and that's completely different. Do you ever know anybody like this? Have you ever felt like this? I thought you loved me, Lord. Can you imagine Lazarus before day four if he had a consciousness still? Jesus, where are you? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever prayed it? If we're honest, we have. None of us are exempt from the sorrows and hardships of life, not even those Jesus loves. And it's easy to misunderstand the ways of God when the hardships of this world cause our faith to sway and there are messages being sent to us that it shouldn't be this way. It's easy to doubt the love of God when the hardships of this world cause our faith to sway. It's easy to doubt that God loves us when it seems He doesn't come through in the time we need Him to come through. He didn't come when He could have helped them. He was four days late and He didn't even send flowers to the funeral. Do you know there are people all around the world that don't believe in Jesus and it's not because they don't want to? It's because what they've heard that Jesus is supposed to do for people doesn't always happen. There are people who think this. I prayed for God to save my parents' marriage and He didn't. I knew my dad would be healed and he died. If God loves us, why does He allow people to go through so many hard, heartbreaking things? Messages that create unbelief by misunderstanding miracles. Messages preached that create unbelief for misunderstanding miracles. Have you ever heard this? Just say it, believe it, pray it, stand on that scripture, and God will heal you. Why aren't the amens drowning me out? Reality is hard, isn't it? You know what? I've been here 25 years, and I have spoken to that mountain back there that it would move. It's still there. There's a scripture that says if you speak to the mountain. Misunderstanding the meaning of miracles can mess up your faith and make the world believe that Jesus isn't here. The miracles are not the message. They are signs to guide us 
to the message God wants to give us from a miracle. John wrote the Gospel of John somewhere between 90 and 100 A.D. Nobody had heard about this story except those that heard John preach in his years of circuit preaching around the seven areas of Asia Minor where churches were birthed through his ministry. So they heard the story. But he wrote it, he wrote it somewhere between 90 and 100 A.D. Um, and, and, and here's something that's very important. In the last chapter... It, John says, you know, there are many things I could have written, but I chose these things specifically because I wanted you to see these things so that you might believe, and by believing, you would experience miracles in his name. That's not what it says. It's important that you realize that's not what it says. It says that by believing, you may have life in his name. When John wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation, which he wrote almost at the, near the same time, John wrote these things because the Holy Spirit led him to, because the Holy Spirit knew something that John didn't know. For the next 200 to 300 years, the church would go through the most intense persecution for two to three hundred years that would be like a holocaust. Think if you lived in an Islamic nation and you were a believer in Christ. And you know because you believed in Christ or you preached about Christ that you not only would get shadow banned on Twitter, you would get killed. How might John 11 mean more to you than it does to people who live in the Western world? Do you know if you have a Bible and you live in North Korea, even if you don't read it like Americans do, not? Well, come on now. American Christians don't read their Bibles. But imagine in North Korea, if because you have one, you could be killed. How might this message of, does Jesus really love me in suffering? Is there life after someone takes my life? The Holy Spirit led John to write this story, not so we could believe, hey, we can go to every hospital and raise people up. We can go to every funeral and wipe people. You know what? That's not the message. The message is... I'll tell you in a minute. There was a woman by the name of Elizabeth Elliot. She just passed away. She married the love of her life. And they were both on fire for God going into college. Her fiancé husband, Jim, got a scholarship to run track for a major university, and he was so talented they believed that he would be able to qualify for Olympics in track and field. The only thing is, Jim had a deeper passion for something else, and it was to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to places where people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he wanted, along with some friends, to go to South American jungles and preach Christ where nobody had ever heard. And he and his wife Elizabeth 
and his friend Nate and another friend and their wives went to South America into the jungles and did that. And people said to him, that's foolish. That's foolish. And here's what Jim said. Would you read that out loud? Will you read that out loud? Within a short time, they had spent time in those jungles trying to create friendships with the people of those tribes. Within a very short time, Jim and his two friends were speared to death in a river and died. Couldn't he have been a witness for Christ crossing the finish line and pointing to heaven? What a... Did he do the right thing? Maybe he missed it. His wife, Elizabeth, went through the hardest thing. Can you imagine that? Here's what Elizabeth said. It is through the tender austerity, severity of our troubles that the Son of Man comes knocking. In every event, he seeks an entrance to my heart. Yes, even in my most helpless, futile, fruitless moments, the very cracks and empty crannies of my life, my perplexities and hurts and botched up jobs, he wants to fill with himself his joy, his life. Do you know those who killed her husband later, all of them, actually the ones who actually threw the spears, were converted to Christianity? And if you search Elizabeth's story, which I hope you do, there's a book she wrote called Through Gates of Splendor. tells the whole story. Through Gates of Splendor, there are pictures of Elizabeth standing with the men who murdered her husband, and they're smiling with their arms around each other because they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you understand that? I don't understand that. He seeks an entrance to my heart, and he comes knocking. Jesus came knocking for Mary that day. He had tears in his eyes and she had tears in her heart. And then he raised her brother from the dead. And here's what that means. Here is the message of the I am the resurrection. Here's the meaning of the miracle. Ready? We have an I am who will be with us intimately. He'll be with Mary's, Martha's, and Lazarus. They already believed, and they didn't stop. Listen, they didn't stop believing when Jesus didn't do the Jesus thing. But they hurt, and they wondered if he loved them. But they didn't stop believing, and then their belief became greater. And they were going to need a greater belief because the one who raised their brother was going to be killed like a common criminal on a cross. Here's what Jesus does for us. He gives us his life. I am the resurrection and the life. And here is what Jesus promises in the I am right now for you and me. He promises a compassionate life to be with you. Compassion means to be wrapped up in someone that feels exactly, loves you deeply in the midst of it all. 
Jesus promises you and me a compassionate life to be with me in you. He promises a sustaining life to get you through. Jesus doesn't want us to get stuck. And you get stuck when you misunderstand the message of miracles. Let me say it again. You get stuck when you misunderstand the message of miracles. But he has a life for us to sustain us to get through. Jesus' life gives us an undeniable witness to awaken others too. And a rapturous life awaiting you. You know something I never thought of until my friend, my brother Clay Manus, one of the greatest preachers in the United States. Lives in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, my roommate for three years. Said something the other day, he was talking about Lazarus, and I stole it from him. The Lord didn't resurrect Lazarus. He resuscitated him. Because he didn't put Zoe in him, he put bios back. Bios means physical life. Do you know that you right now, if you're a believer, already have more than bios life? You have Zoe life? Lazarus did not get Zoe life. He got bios back. I mean, have anybody seen Lazarus walking around lately? Anywhere? Is he still here? Do you know he died? Do you know Lazarus died? I wonder when the promise of healing everybody ends in our chronology of age. Tim, I thought you were a Pentecostal and actually believed the Bible. I do. I believe the Bible. And what I believe is that the message isn't that he comes and does miracles for everybody. The message is he is the I am with us through whatever we go through, and we never have to doubt when it doesn't turn out the way we've been told Jesus always does what we've been told he always does. Next slide. Believers still wrapped in grave clothes go unnoticed in the midst of the walking dead. I have a confession to make. I used to be a big Walking Dead TV show fan. And then I became holy and I quit. No. It just got boring. How many zombies can you see? Anyway. In the second season, I think, there's this episode. The only way to kill a zombie, I don't have time to explain how they became zombies. But the only way to kill them was to shoot them in the head, get to their brain, whatever kind of zombie brain was. And then they died and they didn't come back. And usually they were able to do this, but there was a few of them caught in the midst of all these zombies, and they were surrounded. There was no way around, no way out but through. And they didn't have the weapons to kill the zombies. So Rick, God rest his soul, Rick came up with this idea. The only way to get through the zombies is for them to think we're one of them. And so, excuse me for this, they got the zombie guts. I know, right? Have you ever sat by somebody in movie theater and thought, never mind. <laughs> you got the zombie guts, put it all over them, and walked through the zombies, and the zombies didn't know they were there. Because the zombies could only detect real living people. 
Look at this amazing thought I came up with. No, just kidding. <laughs> Believers still wrapped in go unnoticed in the midst of the walking dead. Remember I asked you, have you seen a resurrected person lately? And we're using the idea of raising the people from caskets and walking through and clearing the hospitals up and all that stuff. Now I'm talking about that. Sister Bruce, when we'd have prayer requests in the, in the Acts class, would someone say, I have a prayer request, and these are, these are legit, man. Pray for my dad, he's, he's dying of cancer. Pray for this and that. And, and we would, but she'd always say, oh, brother, may I ask you a deeper question? Is your father saved? Is your mother a believer? Let me tell you what's more important than getting better physically. Getting eternal life inside your spirit. Grave clothes, malice, murmuring, unforgiveness, shame, paralyzing guilt, judgmentalism, jealousy, anger. Oh, there goes another zombie, just like me. Selfishness. Judgmentalism, man-centered legalism, isolation, fear, residue of the tomb and the death and the old life causes the walking dead to not see the life of Jesus. Take the grave clothes off, Lazarus. Next slide. Any believer... Walking with Jesus has the power on any given day to be used by God to raise a dead person to life. Is it possible that we have forgotten that God can do something greater than healing sick bodies? Have we forgotten that the greatest miracle that he can do every day through anyone is the miracle of raising a dead soul to life in Christ Jesus? Have we underrated the power of the resurrection of souls and replaced it with a miracle now emphasis regarding physicality and materialism and wealth? What is the fruit of a resurrected life? It's anointing love. It's anointed joy. It's anointed peace. It's patience and kindness and goodness. You walk through the land of the living dead, and they go, what is that? What is that? Self-control? faithfulness, serving people that don't deserve to be served, giving to people that don't deserve anything, forgiving people that have never earned it, releasing people from all their debts and restoring them back in a powerful connection to the person they offended and to Jesus. What is that I notice 
around me. Next slide, John 12. I, you know, the chapters don't end the stories in the Gospels. A lot of times they get in the way. Because John 11 doesn't end going into John 12. It continues over. And if, you read the, if you read the first 11 verses, it, it continues this story. After Lazarus is, re, is resuscitated, he's having dinner, right, with his sisters and Jesus. And that's when Mary pours the oil on his feet. It's so expensive. And Judas, Judas, see, we say, oh man, if we just see all that, man, I'd never turn back, I'd never doubt. Dude, Judas actually was one that fed the 5,000 with his own hands. Judas saw Peter walk on the water. And Judas, when Mary poured the expensive oil on Jesus' feet, um, right after Judas saw Jesus raise a man from the dead, um, said, I can't believe this. I'm so offended we wasted this on. What? We overemphasize miracles and have forgotten the greatest miracle. What God might do once in a lifetime, every day he wants to raise dead people from sin and death. But there's a war over what you wear. There's a war over your wardrobe and mine. There's a war over the wardrobe of a church. Grave clothes or a resurrection expression that only comes to people who stay, as Dustin said, intertwined in the vine alive. Because apart from me, you can bear no fruit of resurrection but you can wear grave clothes again. So the chief priests, I love this, made plans to kill Lazarus. You have to kill Lazarus. Why? Because of account of Lazarus or account of you, or account of you, many were going over to Jesus. When I practiced that sermon, in my mind, when I said that, I saw everybody stand up and go, you're the greatest preacher. That's the most powerful. Yeah. You get so fired up, you punch somebody too hard in the arm, you're like, bam! So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus for on account of him, many We're coming over to Jesus. There's a war over our wardrobe. Wonder why? Because dead people don't notice life with living people who are wearing grave clothes. And we'll close with this. Next slide. It only takes witnessing one resurrected person to cause another person to believe that they can have a new life too. He came to his own, his own received him not. 
John 12 says, even after all the miracles, now listen, even after all the miracles, they still did not believe. The people that shouted as he came in the city on a donkey, the people who said, he's the one that raised Lazarus, in seven days were saying, crucify him. The misunderstanding miracles can mess you up and create a belief that Jesus isn't here. But people walking in newness of life in the midst of the streets that are dead cause people to notice. And it only takes witnessing one resurrected person to cause another person to believe that they can have a new life too. Would you stand? Grave clothes, Lord. I've, I, I've got so many in my closet that still fit. I've got so many in my head. I've got so many reasons to be upset, hold grudges. I got so many reasons to pull out of the tomb of my past the things that put me there in the first place. I got so many reasons. I got a wardrobe filled with grave clothes. And about the time I feel free, Satan tells me why I am not justified to not wear them. I still don't understand why I prayed that day with my friends all around the country and felt your spirit convincing me that my dad would be raised up from a ICU unit and go home with me. I still don't understand why after feeling that I had to turn off the machine the next way. I don't think I'll ever know why. But I don't want that. I don't want to wear that. I'm thankful that my father knew you. The day he took his last breath here he saw the Son of God in resurrected life. And that's home plate. There are people that misunderstand you. And we have some responsibility for it. Not all of it, but some. There are people in the world with many, many questions. Please help us to be led and guided into all truth, to face reality, but never lose our faith. And even in the midst of our weeping, even in the midst of wonder, we don't say it out loud, but we think you missed your moment. We still believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And I pray that every person that's in the mystery of the misunderstanding 
would know he weeps with them, is compassionate with them, wants to sustain them, wants their testimony to make the world marvel. And help us to never forget that there is a rapturous moment coming for all of us. And it will be worth it all. As the team leads us in a song, we have a lot of things to think about. About our wardrobe, the war, about our whys and our I wonder why nots. But I pray that you would be enveloped in the compassionate embrace of Jesus, the sustaining power that will get you through. And you do not take this that God doesn't want to heal and God doesn't want to help and God doesn't want to do miracles. He does. He's done it all through his Bible and today. But the message is beyond that. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.